This week on Erotic Awakening, Hollyland, Variety of Power Exchange Slaves, and My Sweet Sweet Guns. BDSM and non-standard relationships. Power exchange and polyamory. Sacred sexuality and fetishes. As, as well as simply fun kink. kink. You'll find all the stuff on eroticawakening.com. <laughs> the Erotic Awakening podcast and Dan and Dawn are directly supported by you, our friends and listeners. Head over to the Erotic Awakening website and click on the Support Us on Patreon button to toss us a, as little as a dollar to keep the podcast going. Or kick in a bit more and get access to the secret Facebook group, free books, and Kickstarter cards, or even one-on-one time with Dane and Dawn. That's us. <laughs> Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. Right now? Right now. Hi, Dawn. Hi, Dan. I will say last week we did kick off the old Patreon <laughs> We thing, did. Mm-hmm. And I uh, want to thank our early subscribers and... I will have to say, we're going to have to try a little harder. Yeah. 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 That's good. We <laughs> haven't quite got to that point, that first goal yet, but I'm sure we'll get there. So that would be nice. That would be really nice. So today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about a variety of types of power exchange slaves. We're going mm-hmm. to talk about, uh, we're going to talk with author Paige Turner, who is going to tell us about her book, My uh, Polyland, My Adventures, My Brutally Honest Adventures Ooh. in Polyamory. Ooh. And... We're actually going to see her and Justin at BTL this weekend. Absolutely. We will see uh, Paige Turner and Justin Case in just a few days at the Beyond the Love event happening right over there. Right over there. Oh, that's kind of where the hotel is, over there somewhere. Yeah, kind of over there somewhere in about five days. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> One, two, three, four days. For those watching on video, you can see how we're pointing and we're looking at watches and stuff. Side note, if you are listening to the podcast, you'll hear that interview with Paige Turner. If you're watching the video, that ain't her. So you'll have to give you'll the video to, content. To, the audio, audio. The audio content. Yeah. So we can add that on at the end. But, uh, yeah. So what do you think about the old studio here? It's starting to come together a little it's bit. It's starting to come together We need something on the bit. wall over here, obviously. Yeah, so just a, a little bit more or a little bit of something. So, One of the pieces but, of feedback I got. Yeah? I have cool muscle right there. Oh, nice. You do. I didn't. I don't even know what that's called. That, what that is. It's a thing. <laughs> right? Other people, I was at, I uh, went to the gym with Karen last Wednesday, and there was uh, guys with huge pecs and huge oh, yeah. biceps, and I've got this thing. Yeah, you got that thing. It's not really it's probably a, from doing the handstands. Could be, could be. It ain't much. It's something though. But it's something. Yeah, it's something. It looks good. We pump them up. <laughs> we have been doing consistently well with the exercise. Um, exercise, and Again, I will say, you yeah. know, really interesting. The um, I was reading an article on a particular style of exercise, the five by five. I don't think you ever tried those. I didn't try the five by five. But mm-hmm. one of the things that it says is it'll make your sex life better, right? And yeah. They, they all say that, but I will say. When I consistently exercise, weight training specifically, not so much mm-hmm. cardio, mm-hmm. it does raise the testosterone. It does oh, make the really? sex a little, sex more interested in the sex. Is that a hint for a barbell set for Christmas? That's no, it's not what I meant at all. If I'm not surprising that I'll get one anyway. So that's kind of neat, though. I hadn't read that before. So because I'm getting ready to pump up more into cardio. Mm-hmm. Cardio is when I feel the healthiest. Uh, somewhat. So I do like the weight training as well. One of the I just keys, have to get back into One it. of the keys that we figured out, and for podcast listeners who are uh, new to the podcast, 
What's this got to do with power exchange or polyamory? No, mm. no. <laughs> we talk about a lot of shit. <laughs> but I will say that one of the keys that we've learned is find exercise that you enjoy. Right. We were just earlier talking about dieting, and I said you should do this instead of that. And you said I don't when I I don't do that. I don't like that. It's not yeah. fun. I like doing this. Yeah. So it's I, important I like to... doing this one way, and when I went off of it thinking, oh. I've been successful for a couple of weeks the other way, so I'm going to give that a try again. And, oh, that just didn't work. And it's and, and you're like, well, you have to do this. I'm like, yeah, but I, I don't. So, <laughs> I know I have to. So I here's, how I, don't. here's how I segue <laughs> right into our topic. Uh-oh. <laughs> Am I being a bad slave? <laughs> <laughs> well, no. I Now, I have had it in my mind that I will simply give you the command to calorie count. Right. Which is certainly not only within my realm of jurisdiction, Absolutely. And I expect, I would say that if I did that, you would do a good job of it. You would can mm-hmm. be consistent in cal- counting calories. Absolutely. Um, part of it is as a leader in a power exchange relationship, I don't like to tell my slave to do anything that I'm not capable or willing to do. Oh, that's right. And so what I've had in my lips was we are going to start calorie counting. Mm-hmm. And it, I would be very confident and comfortable giving that command. Right. More so than you will start comp- calorie counting when I know, fuck if I'm going to calorie count, I got a piece of chocolate cake at home. <laughs> you do too, and it looks awesome. I'm it is some try kind to... of super uber chocolate. That, Death right. by chocolate, I that think is exactly what, what that cake is called. I'm, I'm going to give you little pieces each day of it <laughs> so that you can get through it, just not in one sitting. And, and I will continue to wake up before you mm-hmm. and have some with my coffee. Which you... <laughs> Maybe when that's I get good. up to pee in the middle of the night. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So, Don, that, so this does lead to our first our, uh, question of the day. Before we get into the polyamory, uh, brutally honest adventures in polyland, um, what is it appropriate for a, a master to tell their slave to lose weight? Because, so uh, what the actual question is, there's a different types of, and we're going to use the word slave. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could say submissive. We could say property. Just depends on your perspective of power exchange. True. There are different types of slaves. What are those different types of slaves? And isn't the answer, and don't answer this part yet. Okay. But I'm going to caveat that what I'll be asking you later is, shouldn't a real slave be all those things? Ooh. But don't, don't worry about that, that one yet. No. Okay. Our Let's talk about off. all the different kinds yes. first. So, and, and we first figured this out, and I'm going to let you speak to it, but I think we first encountered the idea that there's even different kinds of slaves via the Miss Abernathy. The Miss Abernathy training guide. So, which I just went onto my bookshelf a little bit ago to try to find, and it's not there. And it's the last I looked, it was out of print. I think somebody said there's there's a new a new mm-hmm. one out that's in print. But this is this means I loaned it out to somebody and didn't get it back. But um, I remember having it in the room. So I've had it in the last couple of years. But uh, training by Miss Abernathy, when you and I first started building our power exchange, that's the book that we looked at. Because I'm like, well, what kind of slave am I? You know, mm-hmm. I have no clue what the options are. You had no clue what the options are. You know, um, does there need to be an option? Does there need to be a title? Right. You know, thing like that. So we started looking at training by Miss Abernathy. And if I remember right, I had to take some quizzes to see what it was that turned me on. And you had to take some quizzes to see what turned you on in a slave. And there was like um, uh, the escort slave, the domestic slave. I bet sex slave was in there. And if not, it should be. Um, Can you think of any of the others? 
Maybe an admin slave. Service slave. Yeah, there was definitely an admin slave, service slave. We've talked about, we've certainly heard the term power slave. Yeah, I fit Um, in there sometimes. Sex slave is absolutely a thing. I fit in there sometimes. Um, (laughs) And I've had different people in my life that identify in a different way, right? Mm -hmm. I've actually, I've had a a sex slave whose purpose in life was sex. Mm -hmm. And, And that's not really... Her purpose in our life. Her purpose in our life right. was sex, right? That's much a better way to put it. I was trying to find a way to say, no, she wasn't like, we stick her in a cage when we're done <laughs> with her. Um, and it was a very limited relationship. Mm-hmm. She actually came to us with the idea, look, I just need somebody, I just want to be somebody's sex slave, you know, and that's all I'm looking for. Right. And we said, well, I guess. <laughs> and that was okay for a while. Right. So there's sex slaves. Um and we'll talk about that in a moment as well, because sometimes it's, the box isn't as tightly closed as we think it is, right? Right. So what is a, we know what a sex slave is, right? That's somebody who serves a master or a mistress simply for sex. They may never get you a cup of coffee. Right. They may never do your dishes or, I don't know, whatever so, else it is that we do. So what is a domestic slave? So, and then the domestic slave would be the one that provides service by taking care of all the domestic duties. So washing dishes, washing clothes, maybe walking the dog, you know, whatever. So that needs to be done in the house. So that's more of the domestic slave. Mm -hmm. So, and then you have, um, well, the big popular one right now is service slave, right? I've even got the intensive that I do in April called um, Subs and Service. Right. So I think this is the seventh one that we're doing, the seventh annual one. And... um, it's literally about giving service. And then in the intensive is about learning skills to be able to give service. So mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know, silver polishing and massages and wine service and, you know, just all this type of stuff. So, but that's really big right now is service slaves, those that get fed off of giving service to others, especially a master. So, and what else is there? The escort slave, which yeah, is... Yeah, which we don't see a whole lot don't of. Don't see a whole that's lot of that. someone to attend events with you, attend functions with you. Right. Arm candy. Arm candy, yeah. yeah. They may not be sexual. They may not be service. They may not be anything but arm candy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, what else was there? Administrative. You know, that kind of explains itself, right? Yeah. They do a lot of the, the, the paperwork bookkeeping and the bookkeeping and all that kind and, of stuff. So, and, and there's other general qualifiers of slaves. That's generally it, right? That's generally it. But, you know, it, it's funny because this question kind of came up when we were at Mast Central New Jersey. I think it was. And the submissives after the mass meeting, the dominants gathered together and the submissives gathered together. And in the submissive thing, there was this brand new guy. And he's listening to some of us talk about service, mm-hmm. right? And I don't remember what the topic of the meeting was, but we were all talking about service. And, he, and you know, some of them were talking about how it makes them wet to give service to their master and things like that. And, you know, and the guy kind of raised his hand and he spoke up and he goes, maybe I'm not a slave. Service does not turn me on at all. And then someone else who'd been quiet and not participating in the conversation also spoke up and said, you know, I'm not a service slave. Mm-hmm. Service does not turn me on. What turns me on is obeying and being dominated, just in general, mm-hmm. right? So she doesn't label herself as anything. and But that's how it kind of came up because, you know, then we started telling him that, you know, there's all these other kinds of things that may turn you on. Try to figure out what it is. 
So all kinds. Mm -hmm. So admin, sexual, hell, some are pets, right? Some just obey, some... So is there a good kind and a bad kind? No, not really. No, no. And it's important to figure out what it is that turns you on. I have, right. I've had slaves that uh, specifically, they were like, well, I want to learn more about this leather stuff. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I can, I can give you a book. On the other hand, I can make you my leather slave. Right. And a leather slave, not necessarily leather, more of the lifestyle. But you're my slave when I'm involved in what I'm going to do is is teach you leather protocols right. so that at the end of the day, you're going to understand the leather culture from the inside out mm-hmm. as being the slave of a master in that in that leather environment, right? I've had that a couple of times, even um, temp slave. That's what I was thinking of, uh, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah? So, yeah. yeah, that's exactly what she wanted. And, um, and I think she likes the term temp slave. <laughs> I, I haven't seen her in a while. But... Uh, but yeah, you know, some people just want to be trained in different protocols mm-hmm. and um, hell, the Gorian slaves, right? That's its whole thing in itself. Yeah, but and from my limited experience, I think that the uh, the Gorian model uh, is more of a property. You know, it's obey everything sort of thing. It, the Gorian is the, a style of slavery, but the the type of slave is still the the general obey everything. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I guess there's a the the model of the consensual non-consent. The mm-hmm. anything goes. You know, you are my master, no matter what it is that you want me to do. Whether it's clean the cat litter or give you a blowjob, fine. I'll just right. do anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are we leaning like in that, that direction? One. I like that. One. Well, yes, the cat litter does need changing. No, um, no. <laughs> you quickly go from anything. Oh, see. No, wait. I'm a sexual slave. Okay. Yes. All right. <laughs> Tonight. Um, tonight, yes. It'll change tomorrow. The trick is to not find yourself thinking that one is better than the other or right or wrong, but find the thing that feeds you, like you're saying about with, with Central Mast, New Jersey. Find that thing that feeds you. Find that thing that turns you on. Right. Right? And that's the kind of slave you are. And that's neither good nor bad, but you just have to find that other half that that works And for. it could change later. Mm-hmm. You know, right now you could be a service slave and that's what turns you on. And then things could develop and, you know, you start getting other feelings and now you want to try something else or, you know, it, it can change. And I would say for everyone, ex- well, there's a couple people maybe. All right. I can't say that probably. <laughs> Many of the people that have been in my collar have started with a particular box. Right. And they have found that the box is too limiting, mm-hmm. right? Um, the sex slave who just wants sex and be used for sex suddenly finds out that being asked to get a cup of coffee for their, for me mm-hmm. is, oh, boy, that's, that's fulfilling too. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's how we figured out some things as well, right? We started out as, as this being very sexual. Mm-hmm. And then we both got just as turned on when you asked me to make you a peanut butter sandwich, right? So, you know, it's... Some things come with experience. Some things can be fantasy and what you think is what is going to turn you on. And then you do it and you have the experience and it could be something completely different. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, fantasy isn't always reality. Yeah. And what we find a lot of the time is that you may, it's important to keep yourself, if you're going to start off with a particular, I'm a service slave, I'm a sex mm-hmm. slave, I'm whatever kind of slave, to not get too attached to that idea. Right. To say, yes, this is where I am today. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. And be, as you move around, maybe things will shift a little bit. Right? Now, right. Um, 
Let's face it, though. Is it true <laughs> that the only real slave, and see, I'm on video doing the finger thing. <laughs> air quotes. Air quotes. Air quotes. <laughs> uh, for those listening on audio, I legitimately made air quotes. Um, isn't it true, air quote, air quote, that the only real slave is that slave that's across the board, everything? I don't think so. I still think you get to define it the way you want to. Yeah, right? I'm just pulling you leg. Okay, because you've had a slave before where you didn't have any say over her finances or her kids, but everything else was yours, right? She's still a slave. There's right. just a little bit of little bit of boundaries in there. So, um, it, how you define submissive versus slave is kind of up to each person as well. That's why you have to have communication and talk about your terms yeah. and your and everything. And and the funny thing is, every slave that I've had in my life, and I don't mean to say that I've had dozens at this point, but I've had a few. You've had a few. And different types, yes. right? All of them, with the exception of you, have had some boundaries that I've built in, mm -hmm. right? To say, okay, uh, you already have a career, and you have children, and you have a husband, and I don't want to control any of that shit. Right. Um, Kaya is in college. I don't fucking know anything about being in college and what she's doing. I, I have this vague understanding of what she does. And it sounds like, well, how the fuck are you going to make a living at that? And yeah. Now she's getting interviews all across the nation. Right. So So it's important that, to recognize, even though I am a master, doesn't mean I want all of that. Right? Mm -hmm. So from a master's perspective, it's valuable as well to give you a little bit of a, you're the service slave. You're the, the sex slave. Oh, absolutely. Because if you're my... Everything slave, then that's a lot of responsibility that I've got to, you know, mm -hmm. accept the 24-7 aspect like I do with you. Right. So I can understand that. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious how you would label me. I would so. label you as, um, I would label you as an everything slave. Yeah. I would just label you a slave, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, but really, you do everything you do oh. the domestic well now, am i an escort i'm your eye uh, candy no <laughs> okay you're not my escort <laughs> and it's not the eye candy aspect but when we go to something we don't go even when we're there as master slave in a, in a jlla right mm -hmm. at the leather this or that it's dan and dawn the presenters oh that's it's true. not master dan and his arm candy yeah that's true right even though even when we have you walking a step a foot back blah 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 mm-hmm um, so, I mean, obviously you're sex slave. I use you sexually. I just fucked your face not too long ago. <laughs> um, domestic slave. That's very evident right now where you're not currently employed. Yeah. Uh, administrative slave, right? You're taking care of a lot of the BTL stuff that I let you take care of. Mm -hmm. I'll book my own flights. Thank you. <laughs> um, so on and on. Really, really it's, it's with the exception of escort. I think you've got all the bases covered. Yeah. There's a lot there. You know, though, I keep hearing about service slave, and I almost tried to um, box myself into that. There was a little bit of time that I almost tried to box myself into it. And then I find that I run that intensive, but I bring everybody else in mm -hmm. to teach the service stuff because I don't want to teach right. it. I don't want to teach it. I mean. But you like running the thing. I like running the thing. Yeah. So I like running it and, and bringing in skilled people to teach other submissives and slaves. So that's, that's fun. That's, and at the beginning of every subs and service, 
I do a meditation class, teach people how to meditate, mm-hmm. mindfulness. Mm-hmm. So that's what I like to teach, not necessarily the skills. You're a very empowered slave. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's my new label for you. I can see that. Slave. An empowered slave. Okay. I like that one. Cool. Well, empower me that some of that drink over there. Okay. Let me have some of your fine beverage, Brad. <laughs> it's not quite exactly. It's not quotes. exactly what it was. Look at the big head on Brad. Great. If you're aware of where that quote comes from or want to get a hold of us for any other reason, you can get a hold of us via the comment form on the webpage at eroticawakening.com. There you'll find other ways to contact us as well as where we will be presenting, past podcast episodes, link to the newsletter, and other stuff. You can also follow us on FetLife. Find us as the owners of the FET group Erotic Awakening. So, And that's just in case we change our FET names. Just look for the owners of the FET group. It had not occurred to me that you were going to change your FET name. I'm not. No, I've been this name Empowered Dawn. Oh, Empowered Dawn. No, I've been this FET name for... Very before FET. And now I want to listen to an Iron Maiden song called Power Slave. Oh, do they have one called Power Slave? They do. I don't think it has anything to do with power exchange. Probably not, but I'm going to write it down. I don't actually know what it's about, other than, but it's a cool thing. Who sings it? The Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden, okay. So I've probably heard it before. Side note for those um, easily annoyed, I remember listening to Iron Maiden and having one of the children say, oh, oldies. What the fuck is that? <laughs> they tell me that with Metallica now. They're like, you're just getting into that? I'm like... So, Dawn, well. before... Well, it is a little late to get into Metallica. Really? No, I don't think so. I love their music. I got no problem with you getting into Metallica. I'm just saying that... I'm a little late, as usual. Little, yeah, yeah. But I saw them on the Jimmy Fallon show, and they were singing... Um, Enter the Sandman? Yeah. On, on Children's, Children's Toys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to go look up other stuff. <laughs> speaking of which. Yes. This is not speaking of which, but let's get into our um, crossing items off of your kinky and freaky bucket uh, list. Okay. So what are what are our numbers? Do you know? We are currently at, uh, I wrote this down in reverse, but it's actually 36 of 39. Ooh, so we're three off. There's three things out of 39 that we haven't done. Yes. Okay. Uh, but for some reason, we're on number 46. I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> That's okay, though. Number 46. Here's an easy one, Don. Do you ever okay. play with toys? Like sex toys? Take your pick and get freaky with it. it oh, recommends. hell yeah. Yeah. It's so, like, yeah. Easy. All kinds of stuff. Easy one. Yep. Well, this is interesting question. Oh, Have no. you ever had 12 different kinds of orgasms in 12 hours? 12 different kind of orgasms in 12 hours. No, I've had a lot of orgasms in a couple of hours, but 12 and 12 hours, there's 12 kinds of orgasms. I'm a Tantra teacher. I don't know that. Uh, First off, (laughs) I question whether I have 12 different types of orgasms. Well, maybe between us. Oh, maybe between us. Yeah. Let's see. I have one. I have two, three. Okay. Fuck that question. (laughs) We missed that one. Well, well, the other thing is, is that. I don't even know if I would research, even teaching Tantra and sacred sexuality, I don't even know that I would research the number of orgasms that there are and then try to do them because I'm not Mm orgasm-centric. I don't particularly like orgasms. I mean, they're great when they happen, right? But it's not my goal. Well, I certainly know multi-orgasmic people that could have 12 orgasms in 12 hours. Yeah. But I don't know about the different kinds of orgasms. Right. So, and I'm a... 
See, my orgasms are different than some other people I've been with. As in, mine are body Quaker showstoppers. And I know some people that are multi-orgasmic where they're just little ones over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. I like my... I used to get upset because I wasn't multi-orgasmic, but I kind of like my body shaker, earthquaker, showstoppers. <laughs> rock. As long as you're enjoying them. <laughs> Fortunate. So we missed that one. Yeah, but I'm okay with that. Like I said, I'm not goal. I'm not, I'm not orgasm goal centric. Well, we'll make it up with this one. Okay. I will anyway. I don't know that you have. Oh, no. Naked Twister. I didn't do it. I watched ah, you do it. it. Half point but there. But you did, you did Naked Twister with mousetraps. Yes. Mousetraps <laughs> all around That's the place. why I didn't want to do it, because there was mousetraps. I'm surprised you did it. Uh, somebody's got to get the party going. Oh, that's true. That's true. All right. Half point for Naked Twister. Uh, this is an interestingly worded one, okay. which I will say yes. Give someone a golden shower. I've received. I haven't given. Well, it says give someone another half point. Do you remember the girl at Dark Odyssey that walked around with the bucket all night one night because she was collecting people's pee? No. I remember the girl at Twisted Trist who set up a kiddie pool. Oh, yeah. And sat in the kiddie pool and people would come up and pee on her. Yeah. She also had a gag that was a, had a roll of toilet paper attached to it. I don't remember that. Yeah, I remember that one. So, and I remember the girl with the bucket. She was this little thing, this little thing with long black hair and had a bucket of pee. I think she was going to pour it on somebody. So she'd been going around collecting it all night. I don't recall that. Yeah. Maybe she was part of the janitorial <laughs> staff and you misunderstood. I don't think okay. so. I don't think so. But no, I have not given it. I, I don't even know if I'm interested in giving somebody giving huh. a golden shower. And it's not because I... It's because I could care less about it, and I see that as a what if it marking turned them of, on? Uh, I don't know, because I see it as a marking of territory. Yeah. Uh, uh. So, and, I mean, like, I can't see me doing it to you. I'm not marking you as my territory. I like to be marked. Mm -hmm. To me, it's a very power exchange -y thing. Okay. So, but if it turns somebody on, if they fucked me right afterwards, if it turned them on that much that they fucked me right afterwards... I could probably do it. Hmm. You hear that podcast listeners? <laughs> uh, this one is a very interesting one. Fuck someone yes. in your apartment building hallway. Mm. I don't think I've ever lived in a, an apartment building that's had a hallway. Stairways, but not hallways. Fuck someone. See, somebody is actually writing this from a personal perspective, obviously. Yeah. The last apartment we had was an over-under, so there was no hallway. Yeah, I'm going to have to say no to that one. The apartment you had way back when, right before you and I got together, didn't have a hallway. They were all outside doors. And side note, if I'm at my fucking apartment building, right. I can go in my apartment. <laughs> Stupid question. <laughs> Only because we have to say no. <laughs> How about have a super quickie in the elevator? Oh, we've gotten close. But I don't think I've done it in an elevator. I will consider uh, a fingering in the elevator. Okay, then that counts. <laughs> yeah, I count that. I'll count that. I'll give you credit for that one. Okay. Okay, we better keep going because we missed a couple of them. Um, three more. Okay. Try to make a sex swing work. 
Yes, we These have tried. So to make, I love how it's worded. Try to make a sex swing work, which means they didn't succeed. Yeah, obviously these are very <laughs> getting to the point where the person's the first 50, thirty of them were like, "Oh, these are not Generic, general." Now right. it's like, "Oh, you remember that time somebody peed on you?" No. <laughs> but the sex swing, we tried to get that to work. We took that to either the Kadishti Fest. No, nope, before that, Anches Exchange. Oh, Aeon, yeah. yeah. So, and we had it set up next to our tent. And you're allowed to be naked and whatever. You know, it was a sex positive event. So we were going to use a sex swing. I think we even bought it like on the way yes, there or we something. Yes, we did. And um, we were going to try to get the sex swing to work beside the tent so we weren't, wouldn't be fucking in the tent. Right. We'd fuck beside the tent. And instead, we just kind of gave up on it and put a blanket on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, because we were trying to angle, just couldn't get the angle. And it was all... Mo- uh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. So actually, so this one we get full credit for because it is very specific. Try. Tried. Yes. Uh, how about playing with hot ass? Hot ass. Hot ass. <laughs> hot wax. Yes. Easy I absolutely one. play with hot wax. I can remember the first person to do hot wax on me. So uh, in our basement... In our first house. Okay. There. And he poured the hot wax on me. And I went, whoa, hot. <laughs> hot. <laughs> I can remember that. And then had to lay on my hand after that. But yes. he was, I thought it was going to be like candle wax. And instead they had brought a um, crock pot mm-hmm. full of paraffin wax and had a ladle. And was That's pouring the way to it do it. Me. Yep. And finally, get a massage with a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> Have you had a massage with a happy ending? Like a professional? No, mine wasn't a professional. Um, I. Yes. Yes. Boy, you had to think hard about that well, one. Well, I got to thinking about what situ. It's it's easier than I gave it credit for. What situations would I have? Been in this situation where somebody is either giving me a massage or I'm giving them a massage, do we not uh-huh. end up fucking? Yeah. It's really massages are foreplay to fucking. It really is. Ping. <laughs> there you go, Don. Our I'll calculate. How many do we well, have there left? you go. Uh, we have a number left, quite a number left. Okay. Definitely two shows worth. And that was 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42. We are now at 42. Uh, do we do our audience members really want to hear this math? One, <laughs> two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, forty-two of forty-eight. Wow. So there you go. But some of the stuff that we haven't done, I'm not particularly interested in doing. You know? No, it's not or a matter of we would have done it by now. I think. Or maybe we'll come across some that we hadn't thought of before yet. I don't well, think we've come across hope. any of those. No, no, but that's that's a hope. You know, that we come across some that we haven't thought of yet. Some new wanking material. Yeah, some new, some new material. That would be awesome. <laughs> so, Don, uh, I guess now we're going to flip over to the... Uh, well, wait a minute now. Where's the, the new... There's no, no tentacle links. Yes, sir. Oh, oh. I got them right here. So, we have um, Shayla, who sent me a 3D octopus hoodie. And then we have Chip... Sending me links again. Oh, so look at a big old awesome. load of in- yep, links. Yep, sent me a whole whole list of links to go take a look at. So I'll open this one real so quick. So I've been doing that one. Some of them are Amazon. Oh, yes, the classic pink octopus, octopus cup. ceramic 3D coffee mug with a tentacle mm-hmm. handle. Yep, yep. So there was some cute stuff in there. I think one of them is the, the wine bottle holder. I think that's the first link, nice. maybe. So, and I really, I really like that one. That's cute. Though, I don't keep wine out. 
on display. No, you're a, you're a the, lush. Whenever the... there's wine in the house, <laughs> you just glug it up. <laughs> so there wouldn't be a bottle to put in there. Don, did you know that the um, Erotic Wine Bottle podcast is higher rated than Erotic Awakening? What? No, no, no. <laughs> Take a moment to support the podcast. Rate us on Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean, or wherever you listen. Or just tell your friends. So, Don, if you and I wrote a book about polyamory, yes, would it be brutally honest? The funny thing is, uh, we have a class coming up mm-hmm. in four days that four days. you and I and Karen are teaching. Right, called polyamory. Ask us the hard shit. Yeah, though we're not really teaching it. We're just sharing the brutally honest stuff, right? So, and it's called Ask Us the Hard Shit. And we don't know what people are going to ask while we're up there. Right. So that's going to be interesting. But the idea behind that is that you and I have been um, practicing polyamory for... Almost 18 years. 18 years. And over the past 10 years, I've maintained a relationship with both you and Karen. Right. And over the past four and a half, three years, I've been with Kat. She updated me last time I said two last week. I was going to correct you, but then. (laughs) I appreciate that you didn't. So, and then I've been with uh, Big D for four and a half years. Four and a half years, right? So the idea is that apparently we've got some kind of an idea of how this polyamory thing. And even Kaya, we've been with for over a year. And it's a really interesting situation yeah, there, right? Yeah, it is. Um, so it's not to say that we are the experts of polyamory, but we've had enough experience and time and success to mm-hmm. say, hey, yep, we've had to deal. Success. <laughs> we've had to deal with some really interesting situations. Yeah, we've done everything from uh, shared vacations to sh- buying a house together to, to separate vacations. Separate which can be vacations, hard as well. dating the same person, right? But not together, but dating not the same together, person together, together and then, and one not so, together. Raising a dog together, three of us, you know, Ginger the Polly Puppy. We've been through, we've been through quite a bit. So, and so we'll be, we'll be sharing a class about that on Sunday at Beyond the Love. Mm-hmm. But do you feel, if somebody who is new to polyamory came to you and says, hey, I'm thinking about polyamory, mm-hmm. be brutally honest with me. Is it worth it? You know, how, what is the price that I got to pay? Mm. Is it worth the price? The price right? Not necessarily is, specifics, but is it right? worth the price? Because we have another interview coming up. Uh, I don't want to give too much away about that, but one of the questions we asked was, this is a, somebody who'd recently opened up their relationship. With, right. you know, they said, have, do you guys feel like you argue more or less since you've opened up the relationship? And they said, oh, fuck, we argue a hell of a lot more. Yeah. So let me ask you, being brutally honest, uh-huh. is it worth the price? Absolutely. I mean, I've grown oh, well, so let me much. Ask, let me ask you a different question. Okay. Well, you have to pay a price. If we be, if I follow this polyamory, is there a price to be paid for that? From now forward? No, for the new person. Oh, for the new person? Yes. Yeah, there's a price to pay. There's always a price to pay with all kinds of choices. And price to pay doesn't mean negative, right? There's a price to pay. Or are you using it in a negative context? I right can't now? think of a positive context of paying a price, but maybe. Maybe because we don't have to. There is. See, because my price to pay is a positive thing. So the price to pay is self-growth. You are going to have to look at yourself and look deep inside of yourself and figure out what it is that makes you tick, what makes you jealous, what gives you fear, what, you know, you're going to have to look at all of that stuff and it's going to feel negative while you're going through it. But when you're on the other side, it's like, 
well, hell, I don't even know what else I could have put in my life that would have made me grow like that or look at things like that, right? right? In a monogamous relationship, I don't have to look at those things. If you feel jealous, you have your partner stop doing what it is that makes you feel jealous instead of looking at it. If you have fear, you know, there's other ways of working with that stuff when you're working with someone one-on-one. Whereas when you have other relationships in there, it's kind of exponential and you have to look at that stuff or you create your own suffering. We've we've certainly had... Recently, it's, you know, we're just getting through the Thanksgiving holiday mm-hmm. where we thought there might be a price to pay with our bio oh, family. With the kids. You know, um, because we're requiring them to accept us for who we are. Right. Which means that they're accepting us as polyamorous. Um, right. That was a little scary this time around. Yeah. Because with the, with the um, perceived attitude of one of the, the boys, you know, he's the dad of my granddaughter. Right. So if he decides not to accept us or not to be around us when we have our other poly partners around, which is like all the time because Karen lives with us. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, then I could lose access to my granddaughter. So it's always it's it's a fear. Yep. So I try not to let it be. I try to trust that the boy will man. He's in his 30s um, that he will stay balanced. <laughs> You know, and just kind of be okay with it, or at least be respectful. I don't need him to be okay so much, but respectful. It would be nice. Yeah, it's the difference between acceptance and tolerance. Yeah. Right. Tolerance is a requirement. Yeah. Acceptance is something you can't demand. It's it's icing on the cake, though. I definitely would like it. And I would say, you know, I would certainly agree. You and I, our arguments, uh, the most intense arguments, the most intense disconnects we've had have been around polyamory. Absolutely. Although they are not necessarily around polyamory, like you said. They are because we are polyamorous, we're forced to to look at ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're forced to make hard choices. We're forced to, sometimes we're forced to stand up for what we believe in, which causes the other person anguish. Yep. Sometimes we are forced to make the other person look at their own shit, mm-hmm. you know, so that you can continue... Like you said, uh, another cost is the separate vacations. True. You know, as much as I enjoy going on cruises with Karen, I miss you. Mm-hmm. And vice versa. When I go on right. away with you on vacation, I miss Karen. Yeah. Um, as well as the now I get to miss. So now Kat's going to go to someplace, which I won't <laughs> crap on her anonymity. But she just... Uh, asked to move one of our dates, one of the dates I have with her, so that she can go to go see one of her other people. Right. Right? And it's like, well, I don't want to have to pay that price for you having your, oh, polyamory, right? Yeah. Polyamory, um, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. My One of my mantras. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, as you said, it's expo- exponential. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> because the way we do polyamory is that each of these relationships, although some are involved sharing house payments right and some are only uh once a month ish mm-hmm. right they're still relationships right they're still a matter of you oh my car broke down i'm getting out of bed and going to go pick this person up or certainly situ- we've been fortunate that we don't have a situation currently where somebody could say i got no place to go mm-hmm. say well i don't want to live with you as my poly partner but I want to support you, so sleep here at my house. Right. You know, which, by the way, considering our shared house, very tricky. Very tricky. So, so you would say there's a price to it. Yeah. So, I mean, depending how you 
think of the word price, I would say there's a price. So how do you know when you've paid too much? How do you know when the price is too high? That's a hard one because I got yeah. really close to that line. Because we, 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 we absolutely see that more so with uh, couplings of poly mono, where right. one person decides to, I'm going to continue to be monogamous. You're, I'm okay with you being polyamorous. Right. But we've seen it with, I take that back, we see it with poly people too. Mm -hmm. Where one person's poly says, oh, we're polyamorous. I'm going to go spend four days with Shooby-Doo. Right. And I'll toss you a note. Mm -hmm. Versus somebody else's polyamory is, is, I expect you to be respectful and, and work with me on the calendaring and to be home every night. Right. Which is legitimate. Both are legitimate forms of polyamory. Absolutely. So. So when do you know when the price is too high? You know, I was going to say when you're miserable all the time or when it just oh, doesn't feed you, right? But I got really close to that. Remember the struggle that I went through? I got really close to that. I was suffering all the time, mm -hmm. it felt like. Mm -hmm. You know, and then I would tell you, you know, I'm suffering all the time. And you're like, what? I don't see that. You know, so I was wrapped up in the all the negative stuff and forgetting that I was still having positive moments. Hell, that's why I started the Joy Journal. Mm -hmm. I needed to remember those positive moments, so I had to start documenting them because all I was remembering was the struggle I was going through. So, and, um, you know, people ask me if I got close, and I'm like, ah, there was, there was moments where it was really close, especially when you took the power exchange away. Mm -hmm. That's when it got really, 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 really hard. <laughs> So really, really hard. And I had to start sitting there and looking at it and making the decision, you know, is it too hard? And realizing that I knew what I wanted on the other side of the struggle. So, and I wasn't going to be able to do it by running away. So, you know, I stayed in. So I don't know how to advise people of when is it when yeah. is it too much? Because it becomes it, I, I I faced that. And you have to you have to be able to determine that for yourself. Obviously, if it breaks from your ethical self, you that's know, very true. If you if know it, your yes. ethics are this and that, and my ethics weren't being broken, so so that's right. where you, where you, it becomes an obvious well, one. Yeah, and and then it's like our youngest boy, right? He saw the struggle that I went through, and he knew it was over Polly, right? You know, he didn't know all of the details or anything, but he he saw the struggle. And um, I can remember him leaving the house one night and asking me, so what would it take for you to leave Dan? And I'm like, oh, there's two absolute things that, that would make me leave Dan. And both of them are ethical. So mm -hmm. one is, is if you did drugs again, mm -hmm. because it's been so damn long since, you know, that's been in your life. And the other one is cheating on me. You know, those are two main things. Of course, I can think of a couple of other ethical things, you know, that could yeah, happen sure. that, you know, that, that would make that, uh, you know, make me leave you. But, um, but those were the two main ones that popped into my head. And then we had to have another discussion because he's like, what do you mean cheating? You guys cheat all the time. And it's like, oh, we have to have a discussion about Polly because yeah. <laughs> it is the opposite of cheating. So, um, so yeah, he was concerned for me for a little bit because he didn't think I could walk away if I needed to. So part of it is to recognize that ethical self, you know, what's happening in my relationship and the reality is this isn't about polyamory, any kind of relationship. Any kind of relationship, right. Breaks from my ethical self. I'm asked to do or forced to do things that are outside who I ethically am. Right. Uh, and there's a difference between it, um, pushing your own boundaries and growing and being unethical to who you are. Right. right. Mine was more about uncomfortable, 
right? And having to grow and having to look at all the if baggage. If only we knew about this term, uncomfortable versus wrong. Absolutely. Back then, oh my that would have been, made life much easier. It would have helped so much for both of us. Because while I was going through some of that struggle, you were going through some struggle as well. Because that's when Karen started dating um, C from Pittsburgh. Who we also call Pittsburgh Chris. Oh, damn it. That's He's right. He's totally out. I was trying to, okay, I was trying to trying to remember. So, right. so you were struggling with that and I was struggling with something else. So it was actually hard for us to even support each other and what right. we were going through. Because I would see you struggle. And honestly, there was a little piece of me going, now you see what I'm going through. Sure, sure. <laughs> the other aspect is beyond the ethical is to start off with an understanding of why you're doing poly in the first place. I <clears> like sitting this close to you. I get to poke you. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> it's, it's not really as <laughs> interesting as, as I thought it would be. Um, is to recognize that the reason I'm doing polyamory is this, this, and this. And when things do get funky and uncomfortable, to be able to look at why we're doing poly in the first place and say, right. is this still, oh yeah, this still holds tree. true. True. Right? <laughs> um, so that's that. So enough of how you and I see it. We're going to find out now what Paige Turner thinks about it. She's recently written a book called The uh, Brutally Honest Guide to Polyamory. Nice. Some of her reflections on that. Nice. Tonight on the podcast, now, it, EA listeners, if you've listened to uh, our podcast for a while, you recognize Don and I do identify as polyamorous people. And you can tell from the podcast and from our stories that polyamory is the easiest thing we've ever done in our lives. For some reason, though, we have on the podcast tonight Paige Turner. Paige, you just put out a book, something along the lines of polyamory being the hardest, brutal, nasty thing ever. Is that, is that the title <laughs> of the book? Did I get that right? Well, 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 kind of, but not really. Um, <laughs> it's called um, Polyland, My Brutally Honest Adventures in Polyamory. So um, why did you choose that? To, I mean, do, do you have to be brutally honest to, for polyamory to work? Or was there a different reason for the title? Well, you know, th that is a good point. I, I do actually believe that, that uh, brutal honesty is an asset in polyamory for sure. Um, but really, when I set out to write the book, uh, it was a very unfiltered process. I, I'd read a lot of uh, poly how-to and a lot of journaling, and you could kind of tell people were, were sharing what they could and, and, and working on things, but you always felt like there was kind of some things going on behind the scenes that you didn't know about. And see, me, I'm the kind of person, I'm just morbidly curious. I always want to see what's going on. You know, I, I want to know what's what's behind the corner. I want to I see everybody's like deepest and darkest. So essentially, when I when I started writing the book, that that's how I approached the whole thing. So it's, it's just, I went with brutal honesty and I didn't worry how it made me look. Um, or really, really any of us. Um, so so that was kind of what I did. How about how it makes your partners look? Or do you not, I, I mean, you, obviously polyamory is about our relationships. Yes, yes. Well, and a lot of it, you know, it's a good point you raise. Um, it, it's all true. Um, and I think we, the thing about the book is I, I think everybody has, has positive and negative points. And it's just, it's just a, a matter of, of being human. Um, and, and I really did the best I could telling the story. Okay. So what do you think, and one of the interesting things that you said earlier mm -hmm. is how you need to know, right? You want to turn the cover and look into the deep, dark places and all that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think mm -hmm. that that has a negative impact on polyamory sometimes? Because we don't know 
how things are going to go. One of the things that my partners are always asking me, he says, oh, you've met this new person. Where's this going and how is this going to look at? And, and I never know the answer. I think I know the answer, but I never know. Do you think sometimes it it's, can be a detriment to polyamory to dig too deep? Well, you know, okay, so definitely when you're when you're first meeting people, I, I always say to give give people like the benefit of the doubt, to be very open and to extend the hand of kindness at people. I don't try to like okay, so they say I'm trying to think of what the exact quote is, but they say don't you know, run for your demons, but don't go around, you know, with a stick trying to try to like stir demons up. So mm. so that's the kind of thing. You don't want to imagine, you know, negativity or things when you aren't there. But at the same time, if you're in a situation and things aren't going well, you can hope all day long that it's going to get better and you can try to deny that and, and kind of push it away. But if you, you aren't willing to face that, then you really are doing yourself a disservice because you can't actually fix problems you don't acknowledge. Uh, um, oh, go, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, yeah. And um, so that's kind of where, where it's at. Like, as far as, especially with myself, I think the, the most brutal honesty uh, in writing the book and, and putting it out there has really been, been with me because I, I frankly didn't do everything right. I'm, I'm not always a good guy in the book. So, so that's something that was kind of scary to do, but it's also been very empowering. So, what, what, Tell me about your, your current poly situation. Do you have a, and maybe you don't even use these words, I know that sometimes, but, but do you have like a, anyone that you consider a long-term or a primary partner? And, and what's in general, what's your polyamory look like right now? Sure, yeah. So Sky Spook is my uh, anchor partner, nesting partner. You could call my primary partner. We, we live together, we're married, we share finances. Uh, he's also my dominant. I'm, I'm also a kingster. Um, and then in addition to that, I have uh, actually right now a girlfriend and a boyfriend. Um, and those are right. those are both newer relationships. I've known them for for a long time. But as far as uh, dating them, it's been newer. Actually, that's that's not completely true. My, my boyfriend, I, I dated him briefly a few years ago. And then we ended up uh, breaking up for a while because he was new to Polly and he had a lot he had a lot to learn and he needed a lot of experiences and we just kind of weren't ready for each other. But we recently got back together a few months ago. And it's it's actually really great. So that, that's kind of a weird situation where it's like, uh, like, we broke up and we got back together. But um, my, my girlfriend I've known for six years. Um, and we've only been dating for a few months. So. so what was that transition like where you have somebody that you've been that you've known for six years and suddenly do you just suddenly one day look at them and say, damn, you're hot. No. Or, or it look? <laughs> I mean, OK, so with Ro, I've always thought she was really hot, like always, always, always. Um, part with her was she. OK, so she has a very particular type and she's mostly dated men. So I've kind of just kind of sat and watched her date men who look a lot alike uh, for years and years. Um, and then, you know, it was funny because it was uh, New Year's of this year. Uh, we ended up just kind of making out at a party and we started talking about things. And then she said, you know what, we're going to go on a date. Like her, she works internationally and she was working something like 80 hours a week and in, in, in and out of the country, like crazy professional job. And she was like, oh, we'll go on a date soon. And it was funny because I think it was, uh, it was like May before we went on a date. Okay. But, but it was worth waiting for. So, um, and I, I see her every week now. But yeah, so she was always uh, a friend I was attracted to. But I, I think I really didn't know that she felt the same way. I made assumptions. 
When you get started on a new relationship, is there like one thing that comes to mind that you're like, All right, so here's the thing that I have to address right off the bat. Here's the thing I have to be worried about. Here's the landmine that I always get tripped out by. Or, or are they all wildly different and you have no idea how things are going to progress? Well, you know, it's, it's really funny because it's kind of both of those things. I know that's not really a satisfying answer, but I mean, there are things that I run into like frequently with people and then there's stuff that that I, I always kind of will we'll run into that will, will trip me up but like for example um I tend to know uh fairly early on whether you know this is going to develop into something really deep uh, so so I always like will be the one that's like head over heels like in love first but I have to kind of keep it to myself and, and not be like that clingy person so <laughs> that's something that I always have to do is kind of be like have this internal monologue of like just hearts and butterflies and rainbows and unicorns and then like <laughs> outwardly not be like I love you like on the third date because that that's that doesn't work that's people don't well I mean you can say I love you on the third date actually Sky Spook and I he said he loved me before my first date but uh, before our first date back when we were friends so I, I you know not to judge but I'm always feeling like I'm the person that has to like calm down with the whole romanticism and not be clingy not be texting them every mm -hmm. five minutes you know because I get excited so sure so <laughs> earlier you said that I could ask you anything and nothing's off limits so let's talk about sex okay <laughs> let's go for it <laughs> do you have any polyamory relationships that do not involve sex and do you think such a thing is even possible um so uh it really depends on your definition of sex whether I have any relationships that don't involve sex. So uh, my, my boyfriend, he, he's a kinkster. He's a switch, but he submits to me. And and we're not really sexual, per se. And his whole sexuality kind of stems from more of a kink place. Um, so I guess you could say that. Um, and, I, and to be fair, Hello. You uh, appear to be on mute on my side. It looks to me like you're, uh, you've hit the mute button. I cannot hear you. Is that better? That is much better. Okay, sorry about that. So do you wanna, like, I gotta answer the question again. When did you lose me? Uh, you had started to talk about, so pick it up from where you're telling me about your boyfriend who's, a, who's kinkster, he's a submissive, and you're not really sexual. Sure, so my boyfriend hold basically- on, Hold on a second, let me okay. do this. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so my, my boyfriend basically, you know, it depends on your, your definition of kink, because my boyfriend's a kinkster. Uh, he's, he's a switch, but he submits to me. And so we're not really conventionally sexual. It, it's not, not like a normal sexual relationship, but he considers kink to be sexual for him. And, you know, I, I, I consider it at least to be gratifying for me. So, uh, so in a way, you could definitely say that that relationship doesn't involve sex and is still polyamory. Uh, plus, I know a lot of, you know, asexual people. I have a lot of asexual friends that are polyamorous. So, so clearly you can do it. Uh, I, I just tend to uh, personally, you know, either have like sex or, or kink involved because for me that, that tends to be what sort of cements it for me. But I do, I do have emotional sort of relationships with friends and stuff that are probably would freak monogamous people out. So. Well, well let me ask the question reverse then. With the, 
boyfriend who is your submissive, you're engaged in kink, and you don't have sex, so why is it polyamory instead of just a straight-up DS or a, a play relationship? Right, right. Well, he, he's very affectionate. You know, there's a lot of, like, loving words and cuddles, and we go out on dates, and, okay. you know, we're, I, we consider ourselves in a relationship, so. Fair enough. So tell me about the, the book. Now, it's brutally honest. What's so brutally honest about it? Tell me about the, well, first off, let's go back. Let me, let me start off with this. Who's, who's going to pick up this book? Is it intended for people that are new to polyamory, people that have been around for a while? Yeah, you know, so I, I think both both uh, sets of people can totally get a lot of benefit of it. I, I think if you're new to polyamory, it gives you a nice kind of overview of some of what the challenges and joys could be of it. So so things that are good, things that are bad, you know, and if even the stuff that's, that's bad in there, it kind of lets you see... Because I go through a lot in the book, but in the end, it's a happy ending. Like, it's a very positive ending. So you can see that people can go through challenges and actually come out the other side better for it. So that's a kind of a resilience thing. Um, and as far as people that have been polyamorous a long time, I, I've actually gotten a lot of, you know, letters from readers that have said this really validated what I went through. It really helped me kind of know that I wasn't alone. And, and, and just because I did focus on a lot of the struggles and, and things I learned, I think people really felt good about that. Because I think if it, you go through it and it's really tough for you, because it was tough for me. Uh, people think that, you know, maybe you're less polyamorous or you weren't successful. And I, I frankly, that's not the case. So just having, you know, a story out there of somebody that really had to work to get that has, has I think, been, been helpful for people who've even been longtime polyamorous. So give me an example of one of those, if you don't mind, one sure. of the bad things that you've had to deal with and get through. Oh, I mean, I'm trying to think about stuff that wouldn't be like a huge spoiler. Um, well, <laughs> well, okay, so for example, I was somebody that was very, very, very sensitive. Um, so for me, I, I actually, believe it or not, felt a lot of compersion. I didn't even know what compersion was and I was feeling it, which was a great thing. But I also was very jealous and insecure at the same time. And so a lot of times where people, people will look at compersion and say, well, it's the opposite of jealousy. You won't feel jealousy if you feel compersion. I actually felt both at once. So, so it kind of, that was something that I wasn't expecting. A lot of people were like, yes, 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 that, that's like completely different. And that's, that's a challenge I had to try to learn how to, because I was just feeling stuff all the time. I was a hot mess. Um, and also, I guess this is probably uh, another thing is um, I, in, the, in the book, I help two of my partners break up with one another, which is something they never told me I'd ever have to do. Um, they, you know, they decided they didn't want to date anymore and I was in the middle of it and they, it was, it was kind of nuts. Um, and also we deal with um, a relationship agreement violation. What actually happened? Somebody, somebody had sex at a time they weren't supposed to. Um, and and we, we deal with it and it's not necessarily how you would think maybe we're supposed to deal with it, but I think it's how a lot of people deal with it. So, okay. Yeah. Well, now I'm interested. Now I got to pick up the book and find out what the answers <laughs> are to all that stuff. Um, what do you, so, so I asked you, what are the, the, the bad things? What are the, one of the good things that you got to write about? One of the joys of polyamory? Oh my gosh. There's so many joys of polyamory. Well, I'm trying to think about what I wrote about in the book. Well, just, I mean, really, honestly, seeing people I love happy with other people and getting to explore all those different sides of myself with different people. Because, I mean, you could be really happy in a relationship, but you get kind of used to being that person, that person that you're with when you're with your partner. And especially if you don't have a lot of friends or you're not doing a lot, which I wasn't when we opened up, you know, 
I had really kind of lost a lot of who I was. So just being able to make new friends and have new partners and have new experiences, it was it was amazing. And and obviously, um, actually, I got into kink, which is a big thing. I, I never would have gotten on the kink scene if, if I hadn't gotten involved with polyamory. I, I had some partners that introduced me to it. And I've made so many friends on the kink scene, and my life has been so much better. So, you know. Let me ask you about that, because we have, in here in Columbus, Ohio, we're very fortunate. We have a group called Poly Columbus, and believe it, whether, regardless of what people think about Ohio, we get th 30 to 50 people every month meet, coming to our monthly meeting. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they've set up uh, early on was that polyamory is for polyamory, kink is for kink, and the two should not necessarily mix. And it's not that it's an anti-kink group. But it does recognize that there's a lot of people that are involved in polyamory that are not involved in kink. And I often hear, and I want to ask you if you hear this, that sometimes the distinction, is, there's not enough distinction. That people come to polyamory and they find, oh, wait, I have to, do, I have, to have floggers to be in polyamory? Or, or for that matter, people might also, and I understand, people might get, I'll leave it there because there's other ways you can take that. I'll leave it there. Have you ever heard that and how do you respond to people like that? Sure, sure. So, so honestly, there's a difference. There's definitely a difference, um, you know. And I, there, there's there are plenty of people who are poly, and there are plenty of people who are kinky, and there's an overlap in the center there. But it's definitely not the whole pie. It's definitely not the whole overlap. And, and I find, you know, I. I relate really well. I feel like I have a foot in both worlds, like because I, I I do really well with the poly crowd, with the vanilla poly crowd, you know, non kinksters, and I do really well with like the kinksters who you know a lot of the mono kinksters or who aren't who aren't poly. Um, but I, usually, I definitely feel a lot more comfortable like right in that center space. And it, you know, it's funny because I tend to go to a lot of you know uh, kink groups. Like I actually uh, I do a lot with Ohio Smart up in Cleveland, Ohio. That's my home dungeon. Um, and I, and I tend to kind of have a home base there and a lot of friends. And it, it, there's definitely an overlap, and you definitely don't want to confuse the two. So I don't know. It's one of those yes-no things again, Dan, where, where yes and no, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know what I mean. I, I ask the hard questions. And the funny <laughs> thing about that whole thing is I could have said that exact same question, and instead of kink, I could have replaced it with uh, being geeky. Yes, yes, yeah, like the, ha the hacker scene, the programmers, they're, a lot of them are, are totally, totally kinky, a lot of them are totally poly. That's actually how my, um, my, my anchor partner, Sky Spook, that's how he got into it, was through the programmers and the geeks and that whole, that whole con culture. So, yeah, and that's how he found the kinksters, too, was after he was poly, so... Have you had any difficulty getting the word out? I mean, the, one of the challenges, and, and we'll go back to kink for a moment, wasn't... As somebody who's been around the kink scene for a long time, it used to be that if you had an event, you had to go to 500 different Yahoo groups and websites and forums and say, oh, I've got this kink event, you should come. Now, of course, I don't do any of that. I go to FetLife and everybody's there. Mm -hmm. Polyamory doesn't have FetLife. Have you found it difficult to get the word out about your book to the, the, the many, many different streams of polyamory out there? Yeah, it, it, it frankly has been a little bit of a challenge. It, it's funny, though, because FetLife has actually been a really good tool in all of that because there's so much of FetLife's population is polyamorous, even though it's for kinksters. I mean, I don't, I haven't seen any actual stats, but I would be willing to bet about half of the people on FetLife are polyamorous. That's what it feels like anyway. It feels like half. Sure. So, um, so I've done a lot with, um, you know, 
making kinky and popular with some of my blog posts from from my website which is poly.land um, I post there every single day and you know about half of that I cross post over to FetLife um, so so I've gotten a lot of followers there we also have a Facebook page we have a Twitter um, and as I've been writing so I, I have a lot of like poly heroes and writers that I tend to like follow and, and interact with you know I've had a, a few of them really be really sweet and reach out to me like um, Amy Guerin who uh, she goes by Aggie says she she writes uh, she was like the solo poly mod for years and years. She's a really famous solo polyamorous. She she wrote a book off the escalator recently. She reached out. She's been kind of helping me spread the word. Um, the more than two, uh, yeah, Frank and 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 both, right. yeah, they they did like a blast for me the other day because I have a I actually have a blog series where I am trying to uh, answer every chapter and question from more than two with an essay. And so, oh. so they, they apparently found out about it and they're enjoying it. So they, they've done like a blast to their people. So, I mean, really? it takes a while. It does take a while. Cause you're right. It's not like that life. It's not like there's poly life and you just like go for it. So you have to be creative. So one more question for you, if you don't mind. Sure. Where can I find this book? Sure. Um, you can buy it in a lot of different places. It's on amazon.com. Um, we also have it on Smashwords, Barnes and Noble. Um, try to think. Uh, Smashwords has a lot of distribution to a lot of smaller retailers. Uh, so if you go to Amazon, you search for Polyland Page Turner, it, it pops right up. Um, and also, if you go to my website, poly.land, I have links to, to buy the book. And you can also read some of my other essays if you want. Oh, fantastic. I, I, I was going to, the last question I was going to ask you, but I thought it was too self serving. But <laughs> I think, but it's my damn podcast, so I'll ask right. anyway. Don't yeah, tell Dawn I said that. Um, <laughs> Can I buy a copy of your book at the upcoming Beyond the Love conference in Columbus, Ohio in December? Why, yes, uh, provided that, <laughs> that the presenters accept me. I actually have my application right now. Um, I, I it, Literally, it's in my literal email right now. I, I'm trying to, like, going back and forth about what picture I want to use. That's what, that's oh. really what I hold up right now. But, yes, I, 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 uh, I'm planning on going. I, I I'm love to present, and I would love, love to, uh, you know, sell and sign books and all that stuff while I'm there. Fantastic. Paige, it's been a pleasure to talk to you today. I appreciate the uh, conversation, and I did not forget any of those bad things, and I still want to know the answers, so I'm going to have to go check out Polyland. <laughs> Sounds great. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Toss us a dollar by heading over to www.eroticawakening.com and click the support us on Patreon button. Our end music is provided by Pocket Universe. You are currently listening to a song called Wind. The official EA twatter is Andy. The person we've seen most recently is... I still don't have her name. We're going to then say Casey. <laughs> okay. The current sender of tentacles is Shayla and Chip. The provider of graphic novels is Johnny Jackhammer and the Good Witch of the North of the Sequential Sex Podcast. And the official food that goes on boobs is... Lactating Cupcakes. Bye, Dan. Bye, Don. <laughs>